Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, Ministry of Greater Worship Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Apostle Robert Enos. Here we will talk about doctrine and theology, politics, social and cultural issues, and how the church is to respond and face these issues. Get ready for a large dose of truth and get ready to have your tables flipped. As a friend just told me recently, Table Flippers is flipping awesome. Yeah, I know. I can be very harsh on pastors. I can't. I know what I can. I can be very harsh on pastors, but it's primarily because I've worked with them for the last 35 plus years, and I've seen a lot of great pastors, a lot of phenomenal pastors. I know I keep bringing them up, but like Pastor Jack Hayford, although he just passed away a few days ago, he was a phenomenal pastor, phenomenal man of God very solid and yeah so uh but a lot of the other ones not all i've come across some great pastors and great men and women in certain that were really strong in certain areas but not so strong in other areas but nonetheless i give them credit where credit is due in those areas of great strength they were doing phenomenal but at the same time i've come across some people that well to even call them pastor in and of itself is a shame and and I can't do it. I mean there has been some men that I've come across they says I'm pastor so and so and I've watched them and I've seen them and they have so little of any real integrity. They're not called of God, they're not doing the things God would have them do. They're treating people horribly that I just I refuse to call them pastor. I call them by their first name, they get mad. No, I you call me pastor or reverend or whatever it is you know or doctor and i'm like no sorry that doesn't fly with me because when you carry that kind of spiritual title there's certain things that are supposed to be evident in your life that aren't i tell them so i'll just call you by your first name or I'll, maybe i'll call you mr and whatever your last name is so anyways pastors i do want to talk to you because as on one hand, yes, I can be very critical, and some would say even judgmental, and that's usually the person that's quoting that scripture incorrectly, telling me to judge not lest I be judged, and they refuse to keep reading to find out that what it really means is judge, but just judge correctly. So, pastors, today in this episode, I just want to give you some ideas, some ideas on how you can actually be better at what you do or that you can live up to that title of pastor. This is your host, Robert Enos of Table Flippers Podcast and lead apostle of Greater Works Christian Church right here in beautiful Lancaster, California. And I do hope that some of you will be able to come and visit us someday and I can shake your hand or hug your neck. And I do truly appreciate you. If, if you haven't uh, befriended me on Facebook, please do. You just look for Rob Enos. That's the way, the easiest way. Or Table Flippers Podcast, and then you'll recognize the logo or the, uh, you know, little icon that I have. And, you know, befriend us, follow us and all that. I posted today three pictures, um, just screenshots from my phone of the the map. What, what the analytics does is it shows a spot on the map of where people regularly listen to this podcast. And there's one of a world map, the United States and also Mexico, and another one of Europe and, and uh, part of Africa. And you can see all the different places in the world where people are listening. The brighter the spot or the dot that's on there, uh, the more people in a given area, it goes from white to red. And so in, in a lot of ways, this is really blown up 
lot of red in this country, the United States, but also other places, which, you know, it really blesses me, humbles me. Every time I think about it and every time I look at it, it just humbles me because, again, I, I know I've said this before, but I just assumed I would say this, it would go to a few people, you know, maybe some people would pick it up here or there, but I have some followers all over the globe and I love each and every one of you. I appreciate each and every one of you. So with that said, pastors, I want to address you primarily, but it doesn't mean that the rest of you have to turn this off. I'm not a pastor, so I'm not going to listen. No, please listen, because what it will do, it'll help you understand what a true pastor is supposed to be doing and look like. And please understand that as I rattle off a bunch of things that pastors could be doing, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to do all of these things or even any of these things. These are just some ideas. Because one of the things that I've, I've learned, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 28. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to pull this up and look at it so I can read to you. It's really an interesting portion of scripture because in the church world today, if the person that's leading the church, the person that's in the pulpit Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, generally speaking, we call them pastor. And, you know, there's a good reason for it in this regard. Uh, pastor means shepherd, like a shepherd of sheep. And there's portion of scripture that tells us that church leaders should shepherd God's people. So in that regard, anybody that's caring for God's people is a shepherd to some degree. I'm not saying a five-fold pastor, but nonetheless, they are a shepherd because they're filling a role of taking care of God's people. But I want to read to you 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And pastors, those of you who carry that title, please pay attention to this. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says this, God has appointed these in the church. So I want you to understand this. God appointed these, and I'm going to read the rest of it in just a moment, but God appointed them, not man, not some council, not some group. God appointed these in the church. First, it says apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then it says after that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps administrations, and a variety of tongues. And then it goes on to say some other things, but the point is there, uh, uh, there's two um, fivefold gifts that aren't even mentioned in this. Now remember, God appointed this in the church. God appointed these in the church, apostles, then prophets, then teachers. Pastors and evangelists aren't even mentioned. And there's a good reason for it. It's not because they're not important, but pastors, pastors, true fivefold shepherds, pastors, were never supposed to be the head or the, you know, at the top, the head of the church. Never. It was always the apostles, okay? Evangelists were never to head up the church. Never. And that was not just then 2,000 years ago. Nothing's changed with God. We tried to change it, but God didn't. So pastors, you pastors, you who carry that title, and you evangelists, if you're really doing what God has called you to do, you won't have the time, the energy, or even the mental, emotional make up to uh, run the church at the top. That's just the way it is. So if you are at the, if you're leading a church and you call yourself pastor, one of two things is at, at work here. Either you're not really a pastor, you've just taken that title because it's tradition, or, okay, or you are a pastor that's not doing what a pastor is supposed to be doing. And you need to really figure that out. And this is just the truth. And I would say this to all uh, Christians, all everyone that sits under a person that calls themselves pastor. You've got to figure this out. Because if it's the first, if, if that person who calls themselves pastor or you pastor, call yourself pastor, and you truly, you know, um, 
and you aren't a pastor, maybe you're an apostle, maybe you're a prophet, maybe you're a teacher, well then call yourself that. And there's no shame in that. Just because tradition says otherwise, there's no shame in that. Understand that it was the apostles that really ran the church. They worked very closely with the prophets. And then the teachers would come in and teach and train the people. And the pastors and the evangelists, if they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, they don't have time for all of that. Why? Because here's the way it's supposed to work. You have the apostle running the church, working closely with the prophet, and then those two working closely with the teachers, because those are the gifts where God says, okay, apostle, you're breaking through. Um, prophet, you're sort of the navigator, where the apostle is the strength and the drive, but he's doing and he's going where the navigator tells him to. And the teacher is teaching the people not only what's coming through Revelation, but where they're going and why they're getting there. Okay. Now, the uh, evangelists, their job is to basically fill the church, go out, get people saved, love them into the collective community, the ecclesia, the assembly. So their job is to be outside of the church, not 100% of the time, but a bulk of the time, getting people saved and bringing them into the church. You see, salvation was not supposed to happen in the assembly. It's supposed to happen out in the streets. So evangelists, stop evangelizing in the church. All of those people should be saved. Get out into the marketplace and evangelize, and then bring them into the church. <clears throat> and then the pastors were supposed to work very closely with the evangelists. Maybe not so closely that they're actually doing all the evangelism, although pastors can do that because they have a heart and a passion for people, especially people that are not saved. But nonetheless, their drive and their gifting is for those who are saved. So the pastors and the evangelists are to work very close together, the evangelist getting them saved, and then the pastor discipling them. Not uh, even 100%, but his initial job is to love them in and get them secure. And help the evangelist bring them in and get them secure in the house of God, in the assembly, in the ecclesia, to be taught by the teachers and then to know how to navigate with all, everyone else as the apostles and the prophets lead the church forward. I mean, I think that's a beautiful way of, of showcasing it and it's completely biblical. We've messed it up over the years, over 2,000 years since Christ uh, you know, poured out his spirit and such. We've messed this up. And now we have churches being led by pastors. Many of them aren't really pastors. Some are pastors that are frustrated because they want to be, if they're really wired as a pastor, they want to be hands-on with the people coming in and loving on them and, and giving them that, uh, that initial boost and build up. But they can't because they're in the office somewhere balancing books or preparing a sermon to teach on Sunday, which is not necessarily bad. It's just not what they are truly gifted and wired for. But they do it because they feel like they have to do it. But their real ministry is among the people, hands-on, okay? Anyways, I hope that, no, it did help. It did help if you're honest and if you accept it as truth, because I just gave you truth right from the scriptures. So, pastor, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to call this just only because it's tradition and we're used to it. So you church leaders, and I guess that's really the best way of saying it, church leaders, regardless of what your title is, church leaders, I want to encourage you to get involved in your community, you know, outside the four walls of the church. Just do it. Make whatever changes you need to make so you can get out there and make a difference in the community. Because one of the things that we, I've heard this my entire life, this is so funny, you know, 
we're not supposed to be political. Well, the truth is we're all political whether we like it or not. It's just not a matter of whether we're political or not. It's where we are operating and working out our politics. And we we think just governmental, you know, like maybe uh, on a local level, a state level, or a federal level. We think of that, presidents and, and congressmen and assembly and city councils. Well, that's politics as well. But every time you do something that affects somebody else, outside of yourself and especially outside of your church you're being political because that's what politics if you are a leader on any level well you're being political right the fact that you that jesus himself calls us and made us made us and calls us kings and priests well you're you're political what do you think kings are they're politicians they're governmental officials and even though priests are more on the spiritual end they still lead people and that's the politics and that would be what we would call church politics. I remember many, many, many years ago when I was running from God because I didn't really want to be in ministry on that level in that way. I thought I really got God on this when I said, God, I'm not going to get involved in the ministry because of church politics. You know, that's so wrong and I don't like church politics and I don't want any part of it. So I can't be in the ministry. And the Lord spoke very clear to me. I mean, it was one of those moments where, you know, you just can't wiggle out of it because you know he just spoke to you clearly. He said this simply, Use it to your advantage. That's it. I thought I really got God. I really got this one. I got the best excuse in the world. Church politics. Don't want anything about it. It's all evil. It's all wicked. Not gonna Just use it to your advantage. That's all he said. So anyways, please, pastors, get involved in your community. Get involved in outside of the four walls of your church. And some of the things that you can do for the community can be done in your church. But let me just give you some examples and ideas from, and and, and this isn't meant to sound like I'm bragging. This is just this is just sharing with you some of the things that I'm doing, which I consider very minimal, and some of the things my wife is doing, some of the things the pastors in my church are doing. Uh, and so again, for me personally, I think it's minimal, but some of the pastors in my church are doing phenomenal things. So anyways, so myself, so um, I help in an after-school program, a, a boxing program for young kids, an after-school program. And <clears throat> even though we're boxing, a lot of people say, boxing, you're teaching them to be violent. No, we're teaching them to have self-respect, how to have respect for others. But also, if violence comes to them, they can defend themselves. We're not teaching them to go out there and look for trouble, but we're teaching them to put an end to trouble if it ever comes to them. And it builds them up and it gives them something to do and keeps them out of trouble. I'm part of a group called PFC. I'll, some of you have, uh, some of you already know what that is. Some of you following me know a little bit about it, but Palmdale Freedom Coalition. And this is where we address certain issues politically and governmentally, but not only policy-wise we do in our city. Uh, I own, along with my wife and actually our church as a whole, we own a coffee shop that has become a community hub. Now, before it sounds like I'm really doing something big with that, I'm not. Early on, my wife and my daughter says, you're not allowed to work here because, you know, I'm just a black and white kind of person. And um, they said, you'll scare away customers. So I said, fair enough. Just give me free coffee when I come in. Uh, and I do these podcasts. And there's other things that I do. I, I travel the world. I preach the gospel literally around the world. But I do these podcasts. And these podcasts, again, I thought it was uh, just going to be something somewhat local. And it's literally going global. And I, 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 I'm so moved by that. But these are just some of the things that I'm doing that you can also do yourself or something like them. You don't have to do what I'm doing. Please don't misunderstand that. So I'm, I'm not saying this is bragging uh, uh, or trying to brag. I'm really not. I'm just saying that there's things that you can do that, that don't cost a lot of money. They cost a little bit of time, but like the boxing class, it didn't cost me any money other than a little bit of gas money to drive across town and uh, walk in there and help 
the coach, you know, basically what I do, I hold up the mitts and let the kids hit the mitts. The coach teaches them and I just basically hold the, the mitts and I might shout, give me one, give me one, give me one, two, one, two, one, two, one, one, two, you know, jab, jab, come on, come on, uppercut, do this, do this, and, and, and keep them moving and motivated and teaching them these things. But it's helping them. Now, my wife, I can brag about my wife all day long. She's doing so many phenomenal things. She runs our coffee shop. So she's there literally all day, every day, except for Sundays. And she does a phenomenal job. PFC, Palmdale Freedom Coalition, actually meets there Wednesday night. And my and my wife is there making sure that everything's taken care of and everything for them. And she runs the coffee shop. And again, our coffee shop has become, which is Butler's Coffee in Palmdale, California. I need to give her a plug more often. But Butler's Coffee in Palmdale, California, my wife... Uh, runs and operates and it's become a community hub uh, uh, you know people come in and do their art classes there okay from other churches and such pastors have come in and done their counseling sessions there uh people have come there for different meetings business meetings. this is normal this happens all the time uh people come in there of course for the for the great coffee we have great 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 coffee but my wife runs that she works in the community and with community leaders and she counsels and trains them and speaks into their life and influences them powerfully. My wife is a phenomenal, very wise woman. I think uh, she had one moment of lack of wisdom in her life when she married me and said, I do. After that, she really got wise. And uh, now she can share that wisdom with everybody else. By the way, everybody, that was a joke. Anyways, uh, some of the pastors in my church, Abraham and Adriana, they work with the Chamber of Commerce, especially the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Pastor Adriana does a phenomenal work working with these different groups, Chambers of Commerce. She also works with a local realtors board, and she's not into real estate. But because of her influence and because they see such value in her, they want her on board with them because they see such value in her. She, uh, both of them, Abraham and Adriana, are part of uh, PFC, Palmdale Freedom Coalition, and doing a phenomenal job. Last night, they were actually at the city council meeting in Palmdale and they were standing there and they went up they spoke they did all these things they and they and they are letting their voice be heard when there's something horrible coming across there they stand up in opposition when something good comes across there they they you know they clap and they applaud and they're making a radical difference Pastor Abraham and Adriana also at the church they run a what we call the self-deliverance course and it's not ongoing but uh, when we need it and when there's people that sign on and it's open to the community, anybody that wants to come in and, and go through this self-deliverance, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a training program that teaches people how to be uh, delivered themselves, how to get delivered, be delivered themselves and stay delivered. Recognize issues and problems as they rise up. So, for instance, if somebody, maybe you deal with, say, unforgiveness or bitterness, right? This will teach you not only how to recognize it, but how to deal with it when you recognize it, how to deal with it yourself. If you need help, you go get the help. But most of these things, once we're trained in these, we can do them, do it ourselves. And they are doing a phenomenal job in that, with that, in part of the community. And I can go on and on and on about them as well. They're just spectacular, wonderful people. Uh, they've traveled the world with me to several places and done phenomenal jobs. So they've been able to make friendships, true friendships with people in Africa and China and Mexico. And they're spectacular people. Now, all of those things I said, not just to brag about my church. I will brag about my church and about my people because they're phenomenal people. They're fantastic people. Okay, all of them. And they're worth, it's worth bragging about them. You might not like it, but I don't have a problem with it because they are spectacular people. Uh, and those are just some ideas, pastors, that you can do. 
and church leaders that you know maybe you can encourage your pastor to do. But there's a big one. There's a big one that all of you, every one of you that in any level of church leadership, regardless of what you call yourself, you can call yourself minister, you can call yourself an apostle, a prophet, or a pastor, an evangelist, or a teacher. Um, you can call yourself bishop, you can call yourself a minister, you can call yourself a deacon, whatever you call yourself or consider yourself. You can just call yourself a Christian. Hey, that counts, okay, big time. There's something coming up May 4th, Thursday, May 4th. It's the National Day of Prayer. Now, it's interesting because most cities, I'm not going to say all, but most cities in the United States will have some type of prayer event, either at the Capitol, you know, sometimes it's at the state Capitol, sometimes it's at the, um, you know, the county building, uh, or maybe the city building, sometimes it's at a church, okay? Either way, there's almost in every city, or at least in every region, there is a prayer meeting. Everyone that considers them a Christian should be at those meetings. Now, where the problem is, let's say um, the Pentecostal church or the Baptist church or the Presbyterian, it doesn't matter. One of these churches puts it on and you say, well, I don't like what they, they agree in. Listen, now granted, I'm not going to go pray with somebody who's not going to pray in Jesus' name. I'm not going to go pray with people that are blasphemous or in, get in heresy even in their prayer. But other than that, if it's a group of people that are truly coming together in prayer in Jesus' name, well, then you can get involved with it. And if you still can't, you just absolutely don't agree with that group, start your own. Do your own. Start one yourself. Do it at your church or maybe in a neutral uh, place. If your area is warm enough, do it outside, say in a park. If it's not warm enough and dry enough during that time, during May, then do it in your church. If you want it in a neutral place, maybe rent a hall somewhere, but do it. Spearhead it. And it, listen, invite your mayor, invite your city council, invite your business leaders, invite your educational leaders, especially if you're heading it up. You say, well, those people aren't Christians. I don't want them there because they're not Christians. Listen, please stop that. You should want them there, even when they're not Christians. You're not asking them to actually pray. You're asking them to come in, take the stage with you so that you can lay hands on them and pray for them. Now, think about this. Let's say your mayor is just an ungodly person, completely ungodly person. Invite them. Invite them anyways. Bring them up on the platform and and just say, listen, I just want, you know, you're the mayor of our city. Greet everybody. Hey, I'm the mayor of the city. How's everybody doing? You look wonderful. You look beautiful. Here's to the greatest city in the world. They're going to say something goofy like that. Just tell them we're on a time crunch. You got five minutes. They're not going to preach. They're not going to teach. They're not going to do anything. They're going to greet the people. And then right after they're done, you walk up and say, Mr. Mayor or Mrs. Mayor, I want to pray for you. And you lay hands on them, grab them by the hand, and you pray boldly in Jesus' name, and you pray strong in Jesus' name, and you bless them in the areas that they can be blessed, and you don't have to even rebuke them on a personal note if they're in wickedness. You, you rebuke the wickedness, and I rebuke all corruption <laughs> in our city, all corruption with the city council. As a matter of fact, invite the entire city council up there and start rebuking corruption, rebuking the wickedness. If these are people that have allowed such things as Planned Parenthood to come in there, I rebuke this wicked uh, uh, abortion mill murderers that have been allowed in this city. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. What are they going to do? I don't even care if they get mad. I don't care if they cause a ruckus. You've done what you're supposed to be do, and you've, you've blessed what can be blessed, and you rebuked what needed to be rebuked. Do it yourself. 
So pastors, church, Christians, church leaders, do it. If you don't want to do it, then go be part of what's already established. For years, I was part of what we called the Mayor's Prayer Breakfast uh, in conjunction with the National Day of Prayer. And we called it the Mayor's Prayer Breakfast because the the gentleman who founded this was was actually the mayor at the time and a Christian, and he all founded it. And then it just went on, all the other mayors after him, Christian or not, and they were always invited. We did it anyways, whether they came or not, but they were always invited, and we did just that. We prayed for them, prayed for our city, prayed for our nation, prayed for our military and such, and it was, it was kind of a great thing in that sense, you know. And um, so we didn't worry about whether that guy was saved or not saved. We were going to pray anyways, which we should be doing anyways, but we did it. Now, again, uh, what was sad is we would get upwards, I think one year we had almost a thousand people, which sounds like, oh, that's a great event. But in a, in a region, and it was, you know, uh, in an area where we have like 160, 170, whatever it is, thousand people, I always forget. Um, we have many, many, many Christians there. That place should have been packed 10 times over. We should have had easily 15, 20,000 Christians there. So if we even had a thousand, I mean, that's nothing to shake a stick at necessarily, but we should have easily had 20,000. We didn't even have uh, even close, not even remotely close to full participation of pastors and church church leaders. We had some rebuke us and some say, I'll never be part of that, except for, for silly reasons. Because one year we actually had a Catholic priest who was actually a very evangelical, okay, evangelical Catholic priest come up there to pray. That's it, just to come and pray, not to Mary, not to one of the saints, but to Jesus. And that's who he was as a Catholic priest, very evangelical. And he would come. And so when one certain group of Christians found that out, oh, they were not going to come and support because how dare we have a Catholic up there? How dare we not? I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things that I have am at odds with, with the Catholic um, um, theology and doctrine. But I also know that when it comes right down to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus, not the other thing, but to Jesus, we have a lot that we agree on, okay? And if they're going to pray in Jesus, to Jesus, or to Father, Father God, in the name of Jesus only. Hey, I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it. And here these guys are just like, I can't do that. Don't be that. Please don't be that. Invite them to come and pray. Pray for them. Pray with them. Anyways, do that. May 4th, Thursday, May 4th. It's the first Thursday of May every year. It's the National Day of Prayer where Christians all over this country, and what I had found out is interesting, that we have uh, people that love this nation, even in other countries, that will gather and pray on that day, not only for their nation, but for our nation. Join voices and join hearts with them. So pastors, please do that. Christians, get involved. Church leaders on every level, please get involved. And again, if you just can't join that group that's doing it, then do something yourself. Stand up, rise up, and pray. Some other things that um, you can do and be a part of. Get involved in mentoring programs for at-youth risk. That's just an idea. Again, none of these things are you have to do this, but these are just some great ideas that you can do. The National Day of Prayer is super important, but that's only one day. Uh, you need something ongoing. So get involved in some mentoring programs for at youth, uh, at risk youth, at youth, at youth risk. No, at youth risk. Teach parenting classes and invite the community. And if you if you don't feel qualified to do that, that's fine. Find a great Christ or Christian-based uh, video series and then still invite the community and tell them what it is and invite them in, especially in areas, in areas and places where there's single, a lot of single parents 
maybe a lot of poverty, a lot of issues in that type of thing. Some of these people will, will just are just waiting for somebody to come and give them the tools that they need. Teach a marriage, marriage class and invite the community. But again, if you don't feel qualified, find some curriculum, good Christian curriculum, and invite the community. And all you got to do is pop the DVD in and push play. Uh, teach a financial class. That's a huge one today. You know, um, teach a financial class. You can go get, uh, what's his name? Ramsey, Dave Ramsey course, and teach it. And it's a beautiful, awesome course. And literally, all you got to do is pop in the DVD and push play and invite the community. You know, if you feel qualified, if you are qualified to do that, you, you are sound in your finances, well, do it yourself. Get involved with veterans groups. Get involved with drug and alcohol support groups. You know, when I say you're not supporting drug and alcohol abuse, you're supporting them getting clean. Sort of like AA or some type of 12-step 12 pro, 12 program. It doesn't have to be AA, of course, but find those. Lead one in your church. If you, if you don't feel qualified, then go to those and get involved. You know, a lot of these groups would love it if a pastor or a church leader who just loved the people would come in and help them to pray for them. Uh, get involved in your local police or sheriff's department. You know, an example of that is like, say, the boosters, the sheriff's boosters or the, you know, the LAPD or whatever, police department boosters club or whatever. You know, get involved in that. Help them. As a matter of fact, the way I got involved with this after-school program with boxing with these young kids is through a, a sheriff deputy that I met who was part of it. And I just, actually, I met him. We, we, we got to know each other a little bit, you know, just at different functions and such. We always got together. We laughed and joked around with one another. He looks like Denzel Washington, and I look like <clears throat> Al Bundy. <laughs> and, and we joke around about that. But it formed a, 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 a just enough of a relationship where we friended each other on social media. And one day, I was just surfing through uh, Facebook, and I came across some pictures of him in this boxing class. You know, and I thought, wait a minute, that's kind of cool. So I hit him up. Hey, can I be a part of that? Can I come out and help? Of course, he said yes. So I'm out there helping them once a week when I can. And what's so cool about it in this sense is it is I just was straight up with him because I'm a very, very busy person. I'm doing a lot of things. I'm traveling a lot and everything. And I said, when I can be there, I'll be there. If not, I'll let you know, but please. And I said, no problem. Just come out whenever you can. So if you're like me and you're super busy, um, you know, there's a lot of these places that are just looking for the help and the support, you know, and, and, and if you can be there, phenomenal. If you truly can't be there all the time, you're not going to upset too many people, you know? So if you're, you know, out of four given weeks in every month, you can be there three. They love that and they need that, you know. So don't think you're getting tied down. And even if you are, so what? Get tied down. Do something. Give yourself something consistently and consecutively because the world out there needs this. So see, when I get really tough on pastors and church leaders, I got to stop using that term pastor, start just saying church leaders. But when I get tough on church leaders, it's usually those guys that are like the Monday morning quarterback, right? Or the, or the couch potato preachers in this sense. They're pointing fingers at what they don't like. They're bashing who they don't like, what they don't like. They're, they're getting mad and, and they're bashing politicians and politics and things like that, but they won't get involved to change anything. I've heard so many pastors say, oh, this world going to hell in a half hazard. What are these young people up to? What are they doing? They're all criminals. They're crooks. They're, they're turning out like this. They're turning like that. Okay, pastor. Well, then get your lazy butt off your couch on Monday and on Tuesday and go to one of those mentoring 
courses and start loving on these kids. Be the father figure that they need that will help keep them out of trouble. Eh? Look at all these homeless people, all these broke people running around ruining everything. Okay, pastor, stop complaining and pointing fingers. Have a financial class. And go out there on the streets and say, I want you to come to my financial class. I want you to come to my financial class. If you know people, if you're in an area where there's a lot of broken marriages, single parents, broken homes, hey, we're, we're teaching a marriage course. We're teaching a course on, on how to raise children from a single mother's or single father's perspective. I want you to be a part of it. Invite them in. Love them in. I don't care if it costs you $1,000 in donuts and coffee. You make sure they get in there. So they can be touched first by that and by your grace and your love. Then they can be touched by Jesus. You guys are so busy to go out there on the streets, take a, a sack lunch and try to convince people to, to say this thing called sinner's prayer. They eat their peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They say the prayer and nothing changes. Why not give them something tangible that will change their life? Because that's the Jesus I serve. He changes lives. And then as you lead them to Christ, you lead them to Christ within the framework of something that's already changing their life for the for good. We've got to get a handle on this, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to get a handle on this, church leaders. And we've got, we've got to stop dumping it on people, other people, to do it all the time. Because if you're truly a pastor, if you're a true pastor, you will have a heart for those people. You will be broken every time you think about children being raised up in a single-parent household. Because you'll know they need a mama and a daddy giving them kisses and hugs before they go to bed. You'll be broken, pastor, knowing that people are broke and hurting financially, not because they don't make enough money, but because they don't know how to handle the money that they make. You'll be broken when you find out that all you've got to do and all that's needed is somebody to step up and get involved in a mentoring program for at-risk youth. You'll be broken to the point that you will go out and do it. That's what pastors do. That's what pastors do. So get out of your office, get off your couch, Get off your cushy leather chair and go out and make something. Do something and change people's lives. And don't look at it as, as only a way to get people into the church. If they come to your church, phenomenal, fantastic, that's great. But look at it this way. I'm loving people and I'm helping to change their lives. And when we can do that, then they'll run to our churches. They're not running to our churches because we haven't loved them. We haven't cared for them. We haven't built them up first. My church right now is growing. And do you know what we do as far as what we what we traditionally call evangelism we do zero but what are we doing we're out in the community just loving the community and now the community goes wait 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 what church do you go to i want to come and visit i want to come to you okay it's such it's it's so refreshing to do evangelism that way because i believe that's really the spirit of god but anyways pastors churches church leaders <clears throat> there's a radical move of the spirit and i want each and every one of you to jump on this wave, so to speak, and write it out. It's time to be a surfer and surf this wave of God's spirit. And it's not happening in the four walls of the church. It's happening in the community, in the marketplace, in the world around us. I hope you get out there and find the people that need you. Thank you for joining us at Table Flippers Podcast. I'd really love to hear from you. Please look us up on the web at www gwcclancaster one word dot org that's gwcclancaster dot org or you can email me at gwccrobert at gmail.com I'd really love to hear from you please let us know how we're doing keep all those comments coming until next time you all have a great and a blessed day